0: Is We have two added services for Easter. One will be Good Friday, so uh, it'll be out in the... We'll we'll get that out as an announcement, yeah? I don't think it's in the bulletin because it's kind of a late-minute deal. So 7 o'clock Good Friday service. You guys with me? Good Friday? And then uh, we're going to have a sunrise service on uh, Easter Sunday along with also 9 and 11. We're going to add a 7 a.m. service. So if you want to come join us... That will be, so check this out, that will be on the grassy knoll in back, where we, where we park, or some of us park. If you can't sp- find a spot out here, there's plenty of grass out back, so it'll be like a little more intimate, bring your lawn chair or a blanket, and, uh, and we'll just kind of, uh, we'll huddle up, and we'll catch it right at the sunrise and get into God's word together. How's that sound? Amen. Want to join us if we can get up? That will be in lieu of our 7 o'clock Bible study that we have, our class that we're doing. Some of you, uh, maybe you're not aware, we do a 7 a.m. every Sunday uh, through God's Word, a little more in-depth, and we're going through the book of Jude, so it's not too late. We've only finished, what, four verses, five verses maybe? So if you want to join us, 7 a.m. Sundays. And uh, there will be no Sunday evening service on Easter Sunday, so just those three morning services. Does that make sense? Is that clear? Awesome. All right, so we are starting a new book this morning. Which book? We uh, Where are we at? Ephesians. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get a Bible to you. Ephesians chapter one. Anybody excited for Ephesians? I don't know if you're as stoked as I am. Like, studying this week was like, yes. Can't wait to share. We didn't even finish what we were supposed to finish this morning. Amen. Ephesians 1. Ready right there? Getting there. I hear some good rustling. Good rustling going on. All right, well, let's pray and um, ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you so much for this special morning that you've given us to be together. Thank you for being here with us. We trust that um, the songs that we've sung I've blessed you. Lord, as um, some of us desire and to communicate our love for you, and thank you for first loving us, for giving your life for us. Thank you that you are the way maker. So often you make a way, so, so faithful to make a way where there seems to be no way. Thank you for being the promise keeper in our lives. just tells us that, um, Lord, your word is true, that you're faithful, you're dependable, that your past faithfulness speaks of your future faithfulness, and we can rest in that, and that you are still in the miracle business. And, God, I know there's some this morning that are in in desperate need of a miracle in their lives and their marriages. God, so many homes, Lord, need a miracle, a miraculous touch from you. God the church, the church needs a miraculous touch from you that our hearts would be kindled afresh. God help us from growing lukewarm, please. And so as we open our hearts up to you this morning, would you meet us, minister to us? God, you know exactly what each and every one of us needs to hear. We need to hear your voice. And so speak, Lord, your servants are listening. We commit this time to you now. And we thank you ahead of time for the great things that you're going to do for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 All right. So... Where do we start here? How about a little intro into this book? It's, what's cool about the, uh, this letter to the Ephesians, the Ephesian church, we kind of have in the Bible this comprehensive look of the church, don't we? We see the church from its birth, its inception. We see kind of as it grows along the way. Remember how it began. We, we read the book of Acts, chapter 18. You guys may remember this. The apostle Paul was on his second missionary journey And it was toward the tail end of his journey when he had come to Ephesus, and he was with this ma and pa couple named Priscilla and Aquila, right? And so they pull into Ephesus, and Paul goes to the synagogue as was his kind of normal protocol for ministry. He would go to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, and he went into the synagogue, and what did he do? He reasoned with them from the scriptures, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that he is the Savior of the world. And so he would go from there. Typically, he didn't always receive a nice warm welcome, did he? So he would move on to those that did have an ear to hear. He would move on to the the non-Jews, to the Gentiles, and minister to them. So ministry began there with, with Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila. The Apostle Paul, eventually, he didn't spend a whole lot of time there. He left, but on his third missionary journey, he came back. He comes back to Ephesus. If you're taking notes, Acts chapter 19. So we have Acts 18, Acts 19. Paul comes back and he spends, how long, how long was he there for? Do you guys remember? Three years he was there. Three years ministering. Remember, he rented out this, this school, kind of like we did, the daycare center. You guys remember that? Setting up chairs, 10 years. Pretty cool. Huh? It's biblical. <laughs> Paul rents out this school right? And he's pastoring these precious people that God saved. He's ministering to them. And and people are getting sent out. The word of God is going out. I believe he was raising up church planters to go out to plant churches. The word of God spread throughout all Asia. You guys remember that? And then he got hassled by uh, some of the silversmiths. And eventually he left. He left Ephesus. But then we read in Acts chapter 20, he had like this pastor's leaders conference. At this beach city in modern day Turkey called Miletus. And Paul is pouring out his heart to the leaders. He reminds them of what it was like when he was there, his example to them in ministry. And he shared with them his heart on ministry. And it's such an awesome, uh, really, such an awesome passage for for us as we're serving the Lord and, and what it really should look like. And then the Apostle Paul says farewell, kisses them goodbye, and then he says, this is the last time I'm seeing you, and so forth. But eventually, the Apostle Paul would write this letter to them, right? And this letter is like so good. They're all good, aren't they? I mean, but it's really awesome. Some of the things that we learn about God, what he's done for us, who he is. But then about approximately, probably two to three decades later, we hear of the church of Ephesus one more time, don't we? You guys remember where that was? Revelation chapter chapter two. Remember, Jesus gave seven report cards to the churches. You guys remember that? First report card to the church of Ephesus. And the church of Ephesus, they were doctrinally sound. They knew the word of God. They were taught well. Timothy also pastored there. Paul, Timothy, they had some rocking pastors expounding upon the Word, teaching them the Word of God, gifted men teaching. So they were were men and women of the Bible. They knew their Bibles. Their doctrine was sound. And they were doing the Word of God too. They were putting it into practice. They were doing good stuff. They didn't tolerate false teaching. They took Paul's warning seriously. For three years he warned them with tears night and day, watch out for the wolves that will arise and try to pick you off. They, they heeded that from the Apostle Paul, the warnings, ultimately from the Holy Spirit. They also didn't, they didn't exalt the leadership over the people. They recognized, hey, we are all, we're all in need of Jesus. We're all in the same boat. God has gifted us differently. Man, they didn't allow any of that to creep into the church because that happens in the church too. So this was a rock in church. Killer website too, probably. I don't know. That's, that's a joke, by the way. They didn't have a website. They had website. But listen, Jesus said, I have one thing against you. And it's interesting he says this because he says, if you don't get things right in this department, I'm going to turn off your light. That's frightening. To me, that's frightening because we've almost been, it'll be almost 20 years for our church. I mean, that praise God by his grace. I, I don't want the Lord to turn out the light on us. Because we are those that study the Word of God. We don't just study from the Word. We study the Word, verse by verse, book after book, month after month, year after year. And not only do we study, we put it into practice in our lives. Because we shouldn't be telling people to do stuff that we're not willing to do ourselves. We're called to walk in the things that we are learning and follow the Lord's lead. We don't tolerate false teaching. We don't exalt the leadership above you guys. Are you with me? Well, Jesus said, I have one thing against you. You guys remember what he said? You have left your first love. Not you've lost your first love. And listen, here's the deal. Jesus didn't go anywhere. It's us. It's our hearts that leave that place of first love. Are you with me? It can happen in a marriage right? You, oh, you can be going through the motions, doing all the right stuff, but the heart is not there. And that's what Jesus said to the church. You've got, you've got good, there's, there's motion, there's commotion, there's emotion, but there's no devotion. You've left, you've left that place of love for me. And you're going through the motions. It's become a ritual. It's become a religious thing rather than a love relationship thing. Are you with me this morning? This is so important. We don't miss this. Because you can have everything. You can have all your I's dotted, T's crossed. You can be doctrinally, man. You can know your Bible from limb to limb, inside and out. Even do good stuff and be off the mark. That, for me, again, that, that I need to check my heart. Am I doing what I'm doing because I love my Jesus? And what's so cool, isn't this so awesome about our Lord? He doesn't just give the diagnosis or the prognosis, but he gives the cure, doesn't he? That's, don't you love that about him? It's not like, okay, you, you left your first love, see you later. It's like, no, here's the way to get back on track. Three R's, that's, this is how I remember. Remember from where you have fallen. Remember what it was like when you fell in love with me. What was it like? Do you guys remember when you first fell in love with Jesus? Anybody remember here? You guys remember what it was like when you fell in love with him? Man, I, I couldn't wait to get into the word of God. I couldn't wait to get to church. I couldn't wait. To, it didn't matter if I was mopping the floors, doing parking lot ministry. I didn't give a rip. It was, I couldn't believe. Jesus saved me, rescued me, gave me a fresh start. I'm headed to hell, and I'm not, I'm not going to hell. <laughs> Lord, this is awesome. I love you. I would witness to wallpaper. Anybody that would listen. Do <laughs> you know Jesus loves you? He died for you and rose again from the dead from the dead on the third day. He'll give, you, he'll give you a fresh start, too. I mean, it didn't matter if people got in my face or whatever. It just, man, Jesus said, remember from where you fall. you've fallen. And then he says, repent, second R, repent. means you need to have a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change of direction in your life because you're going the wrong way. You don't realize it, but you're going the wrong way. <laughs> You need to recognize what I'm saying to you and have a change of heart and a change of mind that leads to a change of a 180 in your life. And then what? You guys remember the last R? Redo. Redo the first works. What were the first works when you fell in love? Listen, husband, wife, same thing in our marriages. Oh, it's it's cooled off. What do we do? Remember, repent, and redo. Redo the first works. Keep doing those things. And you know what's so cool about Jesus too? He says, a bruised reed I will not break and a smoking flax I will not quench. You say, Lord, I got just this little ember and it's just a little smoke smoking flax. You guys know what that is? Got to make sure everybody knows it. You guys know what that is? No? It's like, like a candle when it's just about to go out and it's just got, our fire that's just about to go out and you just got, it's just smoking a little bit. What do you do? Fan, right? You campers? That's what we do, right? I had to do it when we froze last week, two weeks ago. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. There we go. Thanks, hon. Got it going. That's what the Lord wants to do in our hearts. Maybe this morning, that's you. I know this is like the extended intro, but listen, maybe that's you this morning. And Lord says, here's how to get back on track. Here's, Here's the direction you need to head. I love you. I love you. Do you know that God loves you this morning? Amen. And so this letter this letter to the Ephesians, it's so cool because... Do you guys like outlines? Anybody like outlines here? You guys like outlines? Anybody like outlines? So the book divides. It's six chapters. It divides in half beautifully. First three chapters are all about what God has done for us. Our position in Christ. The last three chapters are our response to what he's done for us. Are you with me? It's important not to get that jacked up or to get messed up or to get inverted. Because again, we love him because he first loved us. Christianity is a response to him. Oh God, I thank you so much. I can't believe what you've done for me. To rescue me, to save me, God, to change me, to fix me. Oh Lord, I jacked up my life. Show me the right way to go. And so the first half is our wealth. Second half is our walk. Easy two W's. First half is riches. Second half is response. Is that a good way to remember it for you guys? Cool. Is that cool, you guys, to remember it? All right. Awesome. Position, practice, two P's, another way to remember it. Not a whole lot of correction in this letter, but a whole lot of good stuff. Let's get in. You ready? Let's dive in. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ... By the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so typical Paul, the typical letter from Paul, isn't it? He tells us right up front who the letter is from. And remember the Apostle Paul, just you guys may remember kind of his life. The Apostle Paul was formerly known as, artist formerly known as Saul, right? He was a Saul of Tarsus. He was a leading Pharisee. He was zealous for the law. He was so zealous. He was a religious monster, wasn't he? He went around trying to round up Christians to kill them. He viewed Christianity as heretical. He tried to stamp out Christianity. He tried to wipe out Christianity completely. Let me use modern day vernacular. He tried to cancel Christianity. But that ain't happening because you can't cancel Jesus. And he's living in your heart. And so what happened? Acts chapter 9, Jesus stopped him in his tracks. You guys remember that? Acts chapter 9. He was heading northbound from Jerusalem, going where? Where was he headed? Damascus. Again, to round up Christians. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops him, right? He's blinded. And he comes to know the Lord personally. In Acts chapter 9, it's so interesting because that's when he deserved, when he deserved it the least. The Lord rescued him. Aren't you glad for that? Man. Man. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? It's Jesus of Nazareth. Can you imagine when he heard that? Must have been an explosion. Oh, I've been coming against him the whole time. And he surrendered his life to Jesus right there. And he got radically transformed. As as gnarly as he was for, for Judaism, for religion, he became on fire for Jesus. He was commissioned by the Lord to go to the Gentiles, but he wanted to reach everybody with the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ to see people saved. And so God used him. Didn't God use him pretty mightily? God used him mightily planting churches and pastoring churches and writing letters, and he was faithful to his call. And this was his call, an apostle. What is an apostle? That's right, sent out one. And we're going to define some words. I think it's important to define some words here this morning. Um, even if you know these words already, it's, it's good to be reminded, isn't it? To be reminded of what they are. Because I thought an apostle was the wife of an epistle when I first got saved. What's, what is an apostle? I knew epistle. It says it right there in the, the header. But an apostle is a sent out one. And notice sent out of who? By Jesus Christ. The Lord sent Paul He went out for Jesus Christ. And by the way, in the Bible, we see capital A apostles and we see small a apostles. Are you with me? Capital A apostles like Paul, the original 12, except for Judas. Right. They were involved in the writing of Scripture. Right. God used them to build the foundation. But we're going to learn later in chapter four. That there are also small A apostles, those that are sent out also, not like capital A apostles. Are you with me? They're still like like missionaries we send out, those that do pioneer works of God. But it's always for the Lord Jesus Christ ultimately. And so, and please notice also, it's by the will of God. What does God's will mean? What does that mean when we say, man, if the Lord wills or, you know, God willing, we use that phrase sometimes, don't we? What does that mean when we say that? Think about that with me. What what am I saying? We're saying, God, I want your choice, your desire, what you want for my life. In fact, when Jesus interrupted Paul's life, when he was heading northbound to Damascus, and by the way, aren't you glad for God's interruptions? I'm learning more and more. Thank you, Lord. That was a divine interruption. When... Paul got knocked off his high horse, so to speak, and he came to know Jesus personally. The first thing that Paul asked him was, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's the greatest thing we can do, you guys, is just saying, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? with this person, in this circumstance, in this difficulty, in this trial, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because God, listen, God gives the best to those who leave the choice with him. Are you with me? God gives the best to those who leave the choice with him. And so in prayer, we say, Lord, here's how I think you should do it, because don't you become God's little counselor sometimes? Lord, here's how I think you should do it. Here's what I wish, here's my desire, but your will be done. Because isn't that how Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom, thy... When I'm saying that, I'm saying, Lord, I want your choice, your desire. Mine's gone. My will's out of here. Your will be done in my life. And so Paul's reminding us here as as he begins this, that what he's doing is because it's God's choice for his life. And listen, um, Paul mentions a possible, uh, impossible, a possible. That's a new word, a possible. It's an apostle that's possible with Christ all things are possible. New word. But I think Paul's reminding us of something else here too, that listen, God has a place for all of us in the body. This is a major theme of this book that every one of us you guys, and it may not be a sent out one for you. It may be something else, but God has given you giftings and callings in your life that we would fit together as a body and work together as a team to using our gifts for God's glory and the furtherance of his kingdom, gang. You with me? So we're told who it's from and now who it's to. What does he say? End of verse one. To the... So who are the saints? Is that that terrible team from New Orleans? What are saints? Is that like the superstars in ministry? Like the people on stage, right? Those are the saints. Everyone else is run-of-the-mill, garden-variety Christian. Is that what we're talking about here? Not at all, right? Saint is what? Saint is anyone who's given their heart to the Lord. They are alive people, not, not dead people that you see on a statue or something. To the saints, he's running right to real, live people that have given their hearts to Jesus Christ. And um, the the word saint means separated. So it's separated by God for God. Your life is set apart for him, for his purposes. He's rescued you and he's set you apart for himself, for his purposes, what he wants to do, his plans. Do you know he's already prepared good works for you to walk in? I'm getting ahead. That's in chapter two. We're not even there yet. Getting a little ahead there. But they're looking around the room, these are all saints. Did you guys know that? Saint Kai, Saint Colby. I see in the room. Saint Stephen. Saint Helen. We actually have a Saint Nick here too, isn't that great? Every time I see him, I'm like, Saint Nick, what's up, dude? He's growing a beard now too. Well, I'm waiting for a Saint Bernard. <laughs> But notice so the, the, to the saints who are where in Ephesus, and, and by the way, Ephesus, the city is still there today, modern day Turkey. It was the um, the capital of the Roman Empire in Asia, super wealthy city, port city, a lot of uh, lot of business, commerce that went through there. And you guys remember from the Book of Acts, we learn that the worship of, of Diana happened there. It was huge giant temple and and all the the, the worship of this false god and it was kind of like going to disneyland not saying disneyland Mm -hmm. anything about disneyland don't get tweaked but like you'd go there you know like you go to disneyland and some people get the hats with the ears and you get your name engraved when you went to the temple of diana they would have little silver statues you could take home with you little souvenirs and when paul was preaching the gospel the business began to dry up for the silversmiths. And they got, they were, man, they were ticked off and they wanted to kill Paul. Anybody associated with Paul, they wanted to wipe him out. And so um, this is a very uh, idolatrous city we're talking about, but a very wealthy city, super wealthy. And Paul's reminding these wealthy people of their real wealth, their true wealth. Do you know that every one of us here is wealthy? Pastor, I don't got two dimes to rub together. Listen, you and I, we are spiritually wealthy off the Richter. I mean, we have, we have so much. And Paul's going to list those things for us here in just a moment. So Paul says, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful, those who are trusting in Christ Jesus, and then the common greeting of the day, the normal greeting, grace to you and peace. Where did grace and peace come from? From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, it's always in this order, by the way. It's always in this order, grace and peace, because you can't have peace without grace. Are you with me? What is grace? Grace is God's kindness. It's his favor. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. I like the acrostic. um, I think it's called an acrostic. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. Isn't that cool? Or God's resources at Christ's expense. Grace is how God gives us what we need. It's free. And he lavishes it layer upon layer in our lives. And so um, grace and then peace. What is peace? What is peace? Is that the time in between reloading? it really it is absence of warring because when we give our hearts to Jesus Christ so there's two types of peace biblically number 1 there's peace with God when we finally surrender our hearts to Jesus when we give him our hearts the bible says Romans 5 now you have peace with God because before you surrender your heart to Jesus before you give him your heart you're at war you're in a, you're going your own way living your life according to your own will Involved with stuff, you should destroying your life and destroying others' lives with sin. And then you surrender. And the Bible says, we're justified, we're declared righteous, we're forgiven. We'll talk about that more a little bit later. But now the war is over. You have peace with God. But secondly, there's also the peace of God. Do you guys like God's peace? It's good, isn't it? Stress-free, anxiety-free living? No longer striving. Because doesn't it tell us, be anxious for nothing? Doesn't Paul say that? Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will do what? Promise time will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Why? Because we let down our guard sometimes. Isaiah 26.3. You can look it up later or write it down. God promises, this is a great promise, by the way. Tune in. God promises perfect peace to the mind that stayed upon him. There's more. What are the, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. Jesus said, abide in me and you will bear much. So peace is what? It's a result of our connection with Jesus, our abiding in him talking things over with Him, getting into the Word, letting the Word of God get into us. Are you with me this morning? This is crucial. And so, peace is found, grace to you and peace. Grace and peace are found where? From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father and Son, they are one. They're a combo package. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Okay, for those of you who said you like outlines... Check this out. Verse 3 through 14. You ready? Verse 3 through 14 in the Greek is one long run-on sentence. You guys remember when you were kids writing sentences and it's like, on and, 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 and and then the teacher's like, you know, got the red pen out on you, marking everything up. Should have stopped period here, capital here. Are you with me? Paul is the master of the run-on sentence. It's just like, Keeps going and going and going. So we need to break this down, and here's how it breaks down. Check this out. So verses 6, or rather, I'm sorry, verse 3 through 6, I would say is like the blessings or the work of the Father. You're taking notes. 3 through 6, and then 7 through 12 are the blessings or the work of the Son. And then verse 13 and 14 are the blessings or the work of the, who's left? The Spirit, that's right, the Holy Spirit. You guys catch that? And then Paul's going to sign off this chapter uh, praying for them. So if you're taking notes, I, that's how I, you, can, you can break it up any way you want, but those three sections, all of them end with, end with, to the praise of his glory. This, when we read through this, We should be going, oh, God, thank you. Praise you. This is awesome. This is glorious. This should cause us to. You guys ever see Altuve go deep? What happens when Altuve goes deep at Minute Maid? Is it crickets? What is it? They're going going ape, right? They're going bonkers. Altuve, you're the best. Ah. We go nuts over a sporting event. But this is what you and I have in Christ Jesus. These are eternal blessings that are not going to be taken away from you. This is your riches. This is our riches this morning, our wealth in the Lord because of what he's done. Let's check it out. Verse 3. Something like who's Altuve, man? (laughs) What does that have to do with this Bible study? He's that little second baseman dude for the Astros. He's got some pop. I think I can hit some homers. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And so let me draw your attention there real quick to verse three. And so we see um, the word blessed or blessed. What does blessed mean? does mean, oh, how happy, because we read uh, Sermon on the Mount, right, Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, right? Oh, how happy, oh, how spiritually prosperous is the man or woman who's a peacemaker. This is a different word. The word here um, is the word we get eulogized or eulogy. If you ever go to a funeral or a memorial service, we have that time where there's a, the eulogy, and it's when we do what we speak well of that person, And so, blessed means to speak well of. Paul's like, man, we need to speak well. We need to celebrate, praise, lovingly adore who? The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why should we bless him? Why should we speak well of him? Why should we celebrate him? Why should we give him thanks this morning? Because what has he done? He's blessed us with how many spiritual blessings? With every spiritual blessing. Notice it says, it's interesting, in, in the heavenly places. Um, don't think that they're floating around somewhere. Oh, they're out there in the heavenlies. No, it, it speaks up here. It speaks of the spiritual blessings are connected with heaven and they are found. Look at the last, last two words. They're found in Christ, found in Jesus And because of Jesus, and I'm going to talk more about this word, this phrase, in Christ later, it's 10, I counted 10 times in this chapter that phrase is used, 27 times in the whole book. Do you think that's an important phrase? Yeah, the the book, what we're learning, it orbits around in Christ. So it's important to take note of that this morning. And so Paul reminds us how blessed we are, and it should lead us to blessing him. We ought to be praising him and appreciating him. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. I love what the psalmist wrote. Bless, bless the Lord. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Come now, fount, of every blessing. You guys know that song? You guys know that song? Come now, found of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. He's the fount of every blessing. Every good and perfect gift comes from who? The Father of lights. These blessings are from him. And so what God has done for us, the wealth we have in Jesus, we are rich in him, and it begins with what in verse four? What's the first of the riches of the wealth? Listen, what is it? God picked us. He chose us. It's interesting, that word in Greek means to chose out from among for oneself. To choose out, so God chose us out from the world to bring us to Himself. When did it happen? Last week? Did it happen last week? Look what it says. Look what it says to me. Before the foundation of the world, before the world was created, before we were born, sometime in eternity past, before you did anything, before you could do anything. Guess what? You were a first-round draft pick. That make you feel good this morning? We've been elected and selected. Aren't you thankful for that? And this is where the fighting usually starts, doesn't it? Well, are we chosen or do we need to choose? Yes. Are we picked or do we need to pick? Yes. How does that work out, pastor? I got no clue. How do you explain this? I don't. The Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me, teaches both the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. Are you with me this morning? Are you guys with me this morning? This is like crucial. Because if you, if you swing to, to one camp or the other, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be picking and choosing God's word. You're going to be an editor of God's word. That's not a good place to be. And so, how does this all work out? Does God, one, two, three, four, five, six, all odds, you're in, all evens, you're out. Is that how it works? How does this work? Listen, I have no clue. But you know what? There's a lot of things I don't understand in God's word. How can you say that, Pastor? You don't know everything. I don't know everything. And you know what? I don't know everything about Tanya, my bride, my bride. But guess what? I still love her with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I don't understand how her synapses work upstairs here and her pancreas. I got no clue how that works. Why say, oh, I'm done, I don't know how that works. No, I love her. I'm in love with her. In fact, I use her as an example to explain this. I know it's a lame illustration, but bear with me. 30 years ago, I saw the hottest, most beautiful woman at Salt Creek in California at a beach party. And guess what I did? I said, I'm gonna marry that woman. I choose her. She had no clue. Six months later, I drove to her house in Las Vegas asked her dad for her hand. Make sure you do that, dudes. Don't be a bozo. And then went out back and waited for her, got down on one knee, and proposed to her, and guess what she said? Yes. Yeah, she chose me. So I chose her, she didn't know it, but then she chose me. Some of you give me weird looks. Okay, here, different <laughs> illustration. 1991, I got drafted uh, by the Chicago White Sox, third round. They chose me. I didn't know it, but then guess what? The scout came to my house and said, hey, we chose you, and you know what I would said? Sign me up, I'm down. Let's do this thing. I chose the White Sox. I know it's lame, because here's the deal, is that God chose us before we did anything. He didn't say, oh, that Mikey, he's so cute and loving and... <laughs> Man, when I got saved, I was wrecking my life and wrecking other people's lives. Like, I still can't believe today that the Lord rescued me. Like I mean, like, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you chose me. And so I read this. I don't get it all. We see a balance in Scripture. I don't analyze it or argue over it. This is one of the blessings that Paul's talking about, I just say hallelujah. God, you had me in mind before the world was ever made. Thank you, Lord. You guys ever get left out of something? Maybe when you were little, I don't want to stir up bad memories, but this is going to help you out this morning. This is like, put a smile on your face. Right? They're picking teams, and then it comes down to you and someone else. And they pick the other dude or the other chick. Right, and you're, you're the one doing the scorecard on the side or doing the, or whatever. You're getting the ball when it goes in the neighbor's yard. <laughs> right, you feel like a loser, don't you? You got looked past, you are unchosen. Listen, this morning, God picked you to be on his team. He chose you. What's God's plan for your life? Why did he choose you? Look what it says. Look what the verse says. That, why did he choose us? That we should be Holy and without blame before him in love. Again, holy means to be set apart or set apart for him and for his divine purposes, gang. And then without blame means without blemish, without spot, not guilty. Do you know that God sees you that way right now? Because you're in Christ. God sees you that way right now, but he's also doing that work in you right now. It's the word sanctified. We are sanctified, but we are also being sanctified also as we walk with the Lord. That's a beautiful thing to consider. The Lord looks down at you. He looks down. In fact, the word before him, look at that phrase before him. It means to look down and into. As he looks down and into us, how does he do it? In love. This is amazing. He looks down upon us and into us, and when he does, it's with love, it's with pleasure, and with favor. I got to be with my daughters this week in California. I flew out to help them with their car. And, you know, when I look at my kids, my heart is overwhelmed with love. It's like, oh, God, I can't believe you blessed me with these kids. When I got home, I looked at Tanya. And, oh, I'm so in love with her. Heart heart's so full of love. But how much more is God so in love with you and with me? It's amazing to consider that. God looks, listen, this morning, God looks beyond all your failure. He looks beyond all your shortcomings. He looks beyond all your sins, all of our messes, all of it. And he sees us where? In Christ. That is our position. Holy and without blame. And that that phrase, in Christ, is the single most important phrase in this epistle. Because everything, again, everything orbits around it. We are in Christ. You are in Christ this morning. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? Can you illustrate for us, Mike? I sure can. You ready? One word, cheeseburgers. Come on, come on, Pastor! Don't be messing around. No cheeseburgers. You ready? You guys like cheeseburgers? Anybody like cheeseburgers? Some of us. I had one uh, last week. Double cheeseburger. Normally it's a double bacon cheeseburger. I'm kind of watching my weight. (laughs) Before that, it was like in the lettuce thing. Like right. But lettuce L equals lame. Just doesn't work. You got to go full on. If you're going to do it, just you know, go over the top. Don't go diet coke. Go whatever shake. <laughs> but you look at that bur- that double bacon cheeseburger, right, with all of its fat grams, carbs. Like, how many calories are in that thing? Like a couple days worth. <laughs> like you could run on that thing for like a couple days, right? You look at it, you see all that, but then you. You scarf it down, right? And then it's gone. You don't see it. You don't see the fat grams, the calories, the carbs, right? Why? Because it's in you. Gone. That's how the Lord sees you right now. I know it's a lame illustration. All the illustrations, they all fall a little short, but, but that's how the Lord sees you today. In Christ beyond your faults, beyond your failures, beyond your sins. That's amazing. And he's fixing us. And he's working in us. And he's also predestined us. Look at the next verse. When the Bible speaks of choosing, it's in the the individual sense. But then we read in verse 5 of predestined, it speaks in a broader sense of the sovereign work of God. And he says, Having predestined us, To what? To adoption as sons. How? By Jesus Christ to himself. So God determined for us a long time ago, what he's called us to is what? Is that we would literally, officially and legally be made his children through Jesus Christ. I love this. So why? To himself, so we could be close to him. Isn't that amazing? So why were we created? Think about this with me. Because they come up with lots of slogans and creeds. We were created to do this and to do that. Why were we created? Colossians 1 also tells us we were created by him and for him. Revelation 4.11, created for his pleasure, the Bible says. We're created for a relationship with him. Isn't that glorious? Is that glorious this morning? God wants to have a relationship with us. And, and I understand when people say, yeah, we're created to worship and serve our creator. and well, I get that. I personally think worshiping and serving him is really the fruit of our relationship with him personally. You, you can disagree. You're entitled to your own distorted opinion this morning. <laughs> but I, listen, I didn't have kids. were adopted as children. I didn't have kids to worship and serve me. You, you know what I'm talking about? My kids aren't sitting at home in the front yard waiting for me to get home from work. Oh, Daddy, you're so, so awesome, Daddy, and we're going to lay down our Barbies at your feet. <laughs> Correct? Or, you know what, you kids, the lawn needs to get done, lots of leaves, wind blowing, get on it. Honey, we should have had a few more to serve. Correct? The relationship. Listen, dudes, do we get married so we could have wives to brides to worship and serve us? No, don't treat him that way either. It's for the relationship. God loves you, and his desire is a relationship with you. And God had, look at what it says, he predestined this, and God had a plan in his heart before the world was ever made to adopt wayward souls into his family to become his children. According to, this means what it comes down to is what? His good, the good pleasure of his will. This was God's choice and it makes him really happy. I love this. God did these things because he wanted to. It pleased him. It blesses the heart of the Father and it should cause us to praise him. Amen? Amen? Amen the next verse to the praise of the glory of his grace what is fitting is to express gratitude for his glorious kindness and favor and I love this he made us accepted in the beloved the beloved I believe it's speaking of Jesus here again in Christ in the beloved you know what accepted means? Accepted means you find a place you fit. You find a place you belong. A place of love. A place where we care for one another. Do you know this morning you fit in? You belong. Do you know that this morning? You don't even have to have it all together. Does anybody here have it all together, by the way? Anybody? Did I see a hand up back there? (laughs) Listen, you don't have to have it all together. You've got God's acceptance. Do you know that? Is that something to praise him for? He accepts you. Listen, he accepts you just the way you are. He's not grossed out by you. Now, he doesn't want to leave you in the condition he found you in. And he's the one that fixes us and changes us. We learned that in Galatians, didn't we? Can we fix ourselves? Can we fix other people? Whose work is it? God's work. Thank you. He accepts you. Maybe you've experienced nothing but your but rejection your whole life. Can I tell you something? The Lord receives you. He accepts you as part of this family. Maybe you've never found a place to fit in, guys. This is a place to fit in in the body of Christ. You fit in here. In the body of Christ, you're part of a family. And it's God's family. And and you know, John, the apostle, after decades of walking with Jesus, you know, he was still moved by that thought that we are children of God. Are you still moved by that? Anybody anybody moved here by that still? When John wrote, because I'm at it, Am I at negative already? Sorry. This is the last verse, and we'll shut it down. Listen to this. He, he said, and there's an exclamation point here. First John 3, 1 John 3:1 Behold, check it out, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Wow, what love. God, thank you. I'm your child. Do you take care of your children? Do you care for your children? Do you cherish your children? Do you love them? You do, don't you? What about when they're bad? Kick them to the curb? Disown them? Robertson is not attached to your name any longer. See ya. (laughs) Is that what we do as parents? Listen, God loves you whether you've been reading your Bible or haven't been reading your Bible. Whether you've been to church, you haven't been to church. I'm not saying don't read your Bible. <laughs> That's not good. Going, go, not going to church is not good either because we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But he still loves you no matter what. His love doesn't change. You're his child. He cherishes you. He loves you. Let him be the one that nourishes you and cares for you. Just maybe this morning maybe you have drifted away in your love relationship with him and say just say Lord Lord here's my heart afresh this morning. And you know what he's going to stoke the fire. You come to him in genuineness and real not phoniness, not not two-faced, not fake. Just say Lord here's my heart afresh. Thank you for all you've done to make me your child. Thank you for these blessings. I realize I've drifted away. I'm not where I should be. Here's my heart. I give it to you afresh. Amen? Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. God, I pray just your word would just wash over us this morning. That our hearts would be stirred. That we would just like be compelled to praise you, to bless you, to celebrate you. To honor you. To worship you. You're worth it, Lord. And so thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. All that you're doing currently. All that you've yet to do. What a blessing, God. Thank you for allowing us this time together. Speaking to our hearts. And God, as we give you our hearts afresh, would you revive us according to your word? Stir us up, God. We don't want to just go through the motions. We want to have that first love. So thank you. And this morning, as we're still in an attitude of prayer, as we finish our Bible study, as